Good morning, good morning. It's time to go to class. School is in session. We're Chris and Chris bringing you dorm room sports. For the next little we're going to be your professor, your advisor, and your mentor as we bring you through collegiate sports as only we know how. I'm Chris, a.k.a. Mr. Opinionated. With me, I have Chris, a.k.a. The Almanac. Almanac, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well, man. It's a beautiful day outside and just enjoying some good basketball on TV. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. I can't speak on the beautiful day outside. I'm up here in Syracuse, New York. It's borderline snowing here because that's all it does up in this way. Oh, man, it's nice. It's a nice 80, sunny and 80 where I'm at. You know, I don't think I want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us who you are. Yeah, man, my name is Chris, a.k.a. The Almanac, and I'm just a pretty much a diehard sports fan from down here in a small town in North Carolina called Laurenburg. Uh, it's right outside of Fayetteville. And my life consists of pretty much work, family, and sports, man. So if I'm not working or if not with my family, I'm just enjoying some good old sports, man. How about you? I hear that. I like that. So you're down there in Carolina. So Tobacco Road's got to be somewhere around there. Are you a Duke guy, a North Carolina guy? NC State, Wake Forest, where do you where where do you stand? My loyalty is 100% with the North Carolina Tar Heels. I was born into it, and I'll die into it. I hate Duke. I hate NC State. I hate all the other North Carolina schools. I'm just a diehard <laughs> Tar Heel fan, man. All right. Well, we can agree on that we hate Duke. I'm a Syracuse guy up here. We came from the Big East. We're in the ACC now. And if it's one thing we can agree upon, if we don't agree on nothing else, it's that anybody but Duke at all times. Absolutely. So how do how you, how you like the – the move to the ACC. You know, I like it from a basketball standpoint. I love the basketball competition in the ACC. Football-wise, we're still trying to rebuild our football program, and I don't know that the ACC is truly the place to do it. Right. It's very separated top and bottom. The bottom of the ACC, football-wise, is just not that good. Right. So we're going to see, though, Dino Babers is doing a pretty good job up here in Syracuse. Hopefully we can start putting together some winning seasons, maybe a bowl game or two yeah. in our future. Who knows? Sounds good. I think you guys will get it together. I'm hoping so. I mean, it's been a long time since the McNabb era. Yeah, definitely a long time. <laughs> We've been patient. We've waited. We've waited. All right, so let's get right into this. First class of the day for these guys. We're going to go with a story from up here in my way, up in Syracuse. Darius Baisley is skipping college and going to the NBA G League in hopes of entering the NBA draft next year. Is this a good move for him? Unfortunately for the young man, I think it's a bad move. Uh, I don't think it's smart on his on his part because instead of playing against other kids his age, um, he's going to be playing against fully grown men that's, desperately, that's desperate and very hungry to get to the NBA. And I don't think they're going to take it easy on him. In fact, I think it's going to be the complete opposite. I think they're going to go after the kid. And um, I just don't think that it was a smart move. Also, he, he would have had gotten more exposure had he went to college. Because, you know, Syracuse big-time program in the ACC, every game's pretty much on TV. And um, I, I just feel like it would have been a, a better situation from here for him if he would have went to college. And I think he had a better shot to making it to the NBA if he had went to college also. But I respect that what he's doing. He's trying to be a trailblazer, and um, I hope everything works out for the kid, man. Uh, as a Syracuse fan, it has to suck for you, though. How you feel about it? You know, it does, and I was upset when I first saw the news. I'm an odd sort of fan in that I have a really hard time being mad at these young kids. Right. 
I don't get mad at them when they play bad on the court. I refuse to post negative stuff on social media. I'm, <clears throat> pardon me. I'm 40 years old, and I look at these kids, and I realize that they're legitimately kids. Most of these kids are 18, 19, 20 years old. Yeah. And some of these fans nationwide are just horrendous. Brutal. So I refuse to get mad at him. I was upset. I was disappointed because right now O'Shea Brissett is already committed to coming back. Right. If Tyus Battle comes back, we have our whole starting five with Darius Baisley, with Jalen Carey, with Buddy Beheim, Elijah Hughes, the grad transfer coming back. We were deep and talented and coming off a of Sweet 16 bit, we were looking promising. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm not- but what can you do? He's going to go do his thing. And I'm with you. I respect the fact that he wants to be a trailblazer. Somebody has to be first, and it's going to be him. Other players have done it differently. They've gone over to Europe and come back to enter the draft. Right. And at least there, they're getting to show legitimate game and competition levels. Right. Where in the G League, I just don't see where he's going to get that. First of all, I don't think he's going to get the playing time necessary to show his skills. Because there's going to be three, four, five guys on those teams sitting on two-way contracts that are legitimately being developed to go to the next level because the team that owns them has a stake in that. Nobody has a stake in Darius Baisley. He enters the draft the next year. So if it's, let's say, Oklahoma City and their G League team, he's on them, what's their incentive to develop him? Actually, their incentive is the opposite. Their incentive would be to not develop him and hope he slips in the draft to a point where they can draft him if he's that good. Right. I just wonder what what his motivation was behind it. Was it strictly about? I can't. I don't think it was about money because what they make twenty five thousand. I I desperately think I, that it was about money. I just wonder did he get bad advice or he just didn't want to go to college or I just wonder what his motivation was behind it. You know, well, it could be financial. And here's why I say that there's word going around up here in Syracuse already that as soon as he decommitted from Syracuse and said he was going to the G League, he got some form of a shoe contract, not as in where he's going to get his own shoe, but they're going to give him X amount of dollars to wear whatever Adidas shoes on the court for his G League. Oh, also, he'll be able to sign an agent who can just front him money on expected earnings. So, yes, he's only going to make 25, 26,000 through the G League. But if he finds an agent, if he hires Scott Boris and Scott Boris gives him $100,000 based on future earnings, that's a financial incentive. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't even I didn't even think about that cuz you're right. Uh once he signed a G League, technically he's not a college athlete, so he could sign and get money from a shoe deal even if it's not like a big time seven-figure payday. Uh, 100000 you know, that's a lot of money to some family. So uh, if that's the case, then I completely understand where the kid's coming from, and I wish him luck. Yeah, and the word up here is that's about where it was at. It's somewhere in the hundred to $150,000 range to wear whatever brand it is um, for his G League games. Like you said, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for a lot of people. <laughs> right. So – I can't hate on him if it's financial based and I do hope for the best for him. I don't want, I never will prey on a kid to fail. The only thing I do want is I hope that in next year's draft, O'Shea Brissett goes higher than he does. That's my only (laughs) wish. I hope they go three and four, whatever. I don't care. As long as O'Shea goes one spot higher, that will 
validate me in my fandom and I can be a happy guy. <laughs> yeah, you guys had a pretty good year. I know a lot of people felt like you guys didn't deserve to make the tournament. Uh, but Sweet 16 run, man, that's you got it. That's a lot uh, from especially unexpected. That's because too many people listen to Joe Lenardi. Right. <laughs> Joe Lenardi doesn't know nothing. Yeah. He, he thinks he does. Yeah, you can't tell him. You can't tell him anything. He absolutely thinks he's 100% every year with those things. Man, and I, he he loves to hate on Syracuse too, boy. He loves – he makes a living out of it. He makes a living out of hating on Syracuse. Yeah. Uh, that might be your personal bias speaking there, opinion. That's all right. That's all right. I'm not afraid to say I have some bias against Joe Lenardi, <laughs> Joey Brackets. Not afraid of that. All right, so let's stick in the same line here. Let's not let's let's stay right in the same lane. Okay. And let's talk about the one and done rule. So with Baisley leaving, this opens up discussion with the NBA and NCAA. Do you see a point in the near future where they're just going to eliminate the one and done rule? I absolutely do. It seems like it's uh, gaining momentum to uh, get rid of the one and done rule. rule. Uh, I know Adam Sheff, uh, not Adam Sheff, Adam Silver, and some of the guys in the players' union have been talking about it. I mean, I get it from the NBA's point of view. Uh, it's been too many uh, drafting high school kids based on potential, and they don't pan out at the next level, and it costs a lot of GMs their jobs, and it hurt a lot of franchises setting them back. But at the same time, uh, I don't feel like it's fair to have a kid have be forced to go to college for one year. I mean, you're 18, you're old enough to go to war, you know what I'm saying? And like I said, the rest of the sports, you know, soccer, tennis, um, other sports like that, you don't have to wait a year to join your profession. And I don't feel like it should be that way in the NBA also. I think if a kid's good enough to go straight out of high school, I think they should be allowed to go straight out of high school. Um but I would like to see some type of rule. If they did go to college, they would have to stay at least two years. And also, if they wanted to go straight out of high school, they could, they should go. But if they don't get drafted, I think they should still have the option to go to college. That way, you know, a lot of kids, even though they may think they were good enough to get drafted, they don't. That way, they still can go to college and get their education and still further their careers that way. So, I mean, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think there's definitely, and it's going to be sooner rather than later, especially with, to tie it into Darius Baisley, especially with him not going to college, that's going to eliminate the necessity for it. It was a rule born out of necessity more for the NCAA than the NBA. They were losing talent and felt like they were losing revenue. Right. So a deal was struck with the NBA and – like it or don't like it, I don't particularly like it. But a deal was struck with the NBA to keep the talent in the NCAA level for a year to keep revenue driving. Yeah. So I do see that eliminating now. Eventually, in the next, I would estimate three to four years, that would go away. What I would like to see happen is a situation like you have in college baseball. Right. College baseball, if a kid gets drafted out of high school and doesn't like his draft position, he doesn't have to go. He can go to college now. The problem right. is if he goes to college, he has to stay for two years. I believe it's two. Yeah. So give me that same situation. Kid comes out of high school, thinks he's going to be a top 10 pick, falls into the second round and says, wait, I can be better than that. Okay, so you go to school. Now you stay for two years and enter again. I think that would be a much better format. And there's no reason a college baseball kid can sign an agent. They can get 
uh, sponsors. They can do a lot more stuff that football and basketball can't. Under this guise of amateurism that the NCAA puts out there, like these kids are all amateurs, which they are, but the spectrum of what the NCAA controls is too broad. Absolutely. Outside of an NCAA event, if it's not a game or a tournament that is an NCAA event, they should be able to do what they want. If a kid wants to go to the local mall on a Tuesday and sign autographs because he doesn't have a game or a practice, he should be able to and make a little bit of pocket money. That's my opinion. I agree. I totally agree with that. Um, I I totally agree. Like if a kid wants – I think they should be paid off their likeness. Um, Like you said, if uh, via autographs or if the local business want to use them in ads or something like that, I think they should be able to capitalize off of it. And I also – your your first point you made, um, I totally agree with you. Also, the college game did suck a lot more when the one and done rule wasn't in effect. Like when it could go straight from high school to the NBA, um, the college level did lose a lot, a lot of talent. But I'm as a fan, I didn't pretty much like that. But at the end of the day, I respect what's going on with the kids and their rights more than myself being selfish as a fan. You know, so. Um, but I'm like you, man. Cause you think about it, kids like like Tim Tebow, uh, Johnny Manziel. Those kids brought in millions and millions to those programs. <laughs> look, look at Johnny Manziel when Johnny Manziel when he was there. I think Texas A&M did like over a fifty to a hundred million of renovations or something like that during his era there. So, yep. Um, uh, and I know those some it's few and far between the star kids, but I mean that's life. Everybody, you know. They say it was not fair to the kids. It's not a star. I mean, well, that's life. You know, um, if you got some kids that's more popular and, and bring more to the table than others and uh, somebody wants to pay them for their likeness or something like that, then I think they should be able to capitalize on it because Lord knows the NCAA is making millions and billions off these kids. And you see how much these coaches are making, like, you know, set, they they making NBA, NFL money. So, I mean, you, you can't tell me that kids shouldn't get a little something. So that, that's just you know what I feel on it. We're going to call our first audible of the Chris and Chris dorm room sports. This isn't on the topics list, but we're going to touch on it. Let's touch on paying these kids really quick. Okay. Because that seems to be where our conversation is going. So right. let's just follow it. Now, I don't think that these kids should be paid by either the institution or the NCAA. Okay. Because my, my reasoning behind that is that Revenue generating sports like football and basketball, which are basically the only revenue generating sports, pay for non-revenue generating sports. There's a reason that there's a a gymnastics team or men's and women's volleyball, softball, rowing. Those teams have the ability to have equipment and travel and lodging because of the revenue generating sports. So let's not take money out of that pool. I don't think that pool should be driven to pay the athletes, but I'm a hundred percent with you. If they can find ways to make money off of their likeness on their own time, they should be more than able to do that. Right. Absolutely. And, and I've even heard uh, some say, open the whole thing up, make it like a free market um, where like if a kid, if let the colleges bid on the kid, like if they want to offer a kid $5 million to come to their school, let them come. Just open the whole thing up. I think that's a little outrageous. But um, Yeah, that could get crazy. Absolutely could get crazy. But 
but I'm like you, like if the the boosters or the the local store or the town business, like you said, they want to use kids in ads, uh, let them let them do it. Autograph signings, let them do it. Uh, jersey sales, um, I, I think that should be you know their money. And also, you could maybe start a like a, a trust or something, and you know put a couple thousand in there every semester and. Once the kid graduates or leaves, you know, let them get the money that way. I just think it should be some incentive other than, well, we your scholarship for education. That's enough. I, I don't, I don't think that's that's enough. It, it's not enough. And the scholar, there is a lot more to it than the scholarship. These kids have never bought a pair of sneakers or a. They're right. And people like to say, oh well, it's only a meal plan. No, these collegiate athletes eat better than the rest of the campus. Right. So there is more to it than just the scholarship, but I agree, it's still not enough. Outside of the game of basketball, you should be able to get your value. But yeah. we could go off on this forever. This is a great topic, and I'm sure we'll touch on this. Let me make one more point. Numerous times. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, it's, and it's, my, my whole thing is just built off an arcade system, you know, Back in the seventies, eighties, that those the TV contracts wasn't making the money that they're making now. If you look at just off the NCAA tournament alone, those different TV uh, networks that that air the uh, NCAA tournament, I mean, they pay billions for the contract to air those games. So, I mean, it's it's the whole system is archaic and it just needs to be be redone because they wasn't making as much money back in the day when these rules were in effect as they are now. So, but, uh, that's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. Cause the TV contracts were not where they were, where they are now back when the rules were implemented. Absolutely. And the rules haven't adapted to the way the game is adapted. You make, that's a really, really good point. Right. I like that. All right. So that was, um, that's semester one. We got the first semester out of the way. We did pretty good. Let's take a small break. And then we're going to come right back with the second semester. We got some great stuff to talk about. All righty. All right. We're back at you. Midterm time. This midterm has one question on it. Almanac, are you ready? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. We got one question and one question only. Who's going to have a better professional career? Lamar Jackson or Young? Man, this is a really, really tough question, man. Both these guys dominated on the college level but have been questioned, questioned and highly doubted if their skills will transfer to the next level. So it's absolutely a great question. Uh, I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with Trey Young, opinionated. And the reason I go with Trey Young is because – I think his game will translate better to the next level because the kid is a knockdown shooter. Uh, he could create his own shot, get his shot off. Uh, and also, he's a great passer. I mean, I know he led the nation in scoring assists as well as turnovers, <clears throat> but you got to think about it. I think every team that he played against, he was the key to, to the, the coach, you know, defense. The coach, every the whole defense was focused on stopping Trey Young. And I think at the next level, I think he'll have better teammates 
and I think he'll be he'll have more room and space to play because everything won't be focused on him. So I think that will translate better uh, to the NBA. And a lot of people were comparing him to Steph Curry, but you got to think about it. Steph Curry did three years of college. This kid was a true freshman. So, you know, I would like to see him uh, after a couple more years get a little bit more experience under his belt. And um, I think he's just going to get better and better. As far as Lamar Jackson, uh, he's a dynamic, dynamic talent. Um, you know, he's – I won't say he's a run-first quarterback, but whenever his first option wasn't there, he would take off and run. And I think his body type is just so slender. It was about a buck 80, buck 90 soaking wet. I do not think that he will be able to hold up in the NFL um, trying to play that same way. So I think that he needs to go to a team – uh, back up a veteran quarterback for maybe about one or two years and have the offense centered around him maybe. But at the end of the day, my answer to that question would be, I think Trey Young's skill set will translate better to the NBA and Lamar Jackson would translate to the NFL. So how do you feel about that? I couldn't agree more. And for different, a little bit different reasons. But it's easier to make the transition to an NBA player, even as a point guard, than it is to be an NFL quarterback. And Lamar Jackson, as talented as he is, I just don't think is ready to be a full-time starter in the NFL. I have questions about him even going into the draft, his ability to be a full-time starter. The problem is in the NFL right now is – because there's rumors that teams are going to trade up because they want to get Lamar Jackson right. under the assumption that he's going to be the next Deshaun Watson. Uh-huh. But guess what? There is no next Deshaun Watson. Right. Because Deshaun Watson is what he is, and he is special. You can't just label Lamar Jackson as that because he has similar skill set. Right. So I worry about Lamar Jackson. I don't worry about Trey Young as much. And for the reasons you stated, he's going to come into a team – I truly think, depending on where the draft picks fall, he could get drafted by the Cavs. Right. If he gets to come into that situation with that group of players, the pressure's not on him. Absolutely. He was the only legitimate basketball player in Oklahoma last year. Let's be honest. Yes, he was. The team just wasn't without him. So he had all of the pressure, and like you said, all of the defensive schemes were built totally around him. Yep. He's offensively super, super talented. He can do. He's not Steph Curry. No. But he's similar no in his playing style. But if he the ball in his hand, that's going to make his life a whole lot easier because he does have great court vision. So, yeah. Very passer. That will be a benefit for him. But wherever he goes, as a Knicks fan, I would love to draft this kid. Now, I know we have Frank Nilakina and Emmanuel Moutier, and Trey Burke had a great end to his season this year. I don't care. I will take Trey Burke right now and put him at shooting guard and not even care. Wouldn't bother me a little bit. Yeah, because yeah, you guys you know, missed out on some, some pretty big-time point guards, so you, you cannot take another chance of – of missing out on a talent like Trey Young. I agree. Yeah. 
I thought who I really want is Luka Doncic. That's who I really want. I don't see him dropping to wherever we are. Yeah, but that's who I really want. That kid, that kid over in Europe is unbelievably talented. Yeah. But another topic for another day. So yes, we both agree on Trey Young. I think he's got elite potential in the NBA. Whether he pans out or not is a whole other thing. We've seen kids with elite potential right. who just haven't panned out. Absolutely, that's true. But I've seen a ton of. Them. I like it. I just like his ability to shoot, create his own shot, and his court vision. So, you know, that's those those things are critical now in in the NBA because you look at it. A lot of the elite point guards, none of them really play defense. You know, other than Chris Paul, Steph Curry doesn't play defense. Uh, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, none of these guys are elite great defenders. I mean, uh, I know a lot of people criticize Trey Young on his defensive ability, but. Out of all the top point guards in the NBA, you name any of them that's really, you know, defensive stoppers. Uh, Chris Paul, like I said, he's pretty much the, the one off the top of my head that I can think about it as a, a really good defender. But so so that I, I feel like even that will translate to the next level with, with Trey Young. Right, exactly. And you make a good point. And the reason that you see a lot of these point guards and their lack of defensive ability is because with this new five-out scheme that everybody seems to be going with, where everybody's shooting from farther in the basket, yes. what's happening is every team is switching every pick every time. So you're getting guys like Steph Curry having to guard LeBron James or you know anybody, the Antetokounmpo's of the world, and that's just a mismatch. So it doesn't matter how hard he works defensively. There's nothing Steph Curry can do. Right. And teams are crafting their offenses to go around the switches – I mean, just even today, I watched the Golden State game, and every time down the floor, they were picking around to get Kevin Durant on Patty Mills. Yeah, Patty Mills can be the best defender in the world, and there's nothing he can do when he's 11 inches shorter. Man, I saw, I watched that same game. I was like, Jesus Christ, this kid has no chance guarding Kevin Durant. I mean, there's no chance, no chance. And uh, I'm I'm with you. I I I noticed that same thing, Um, and it's just a trend. Uh, in the NBA, NBA now, I, I really call it the Steph Curry effect because now it seems like the three-point numbers is, is just crazy. And you even see it translating to the college game now uh, with yeah. shooting, you know, more threes than ever these days. So, uh, I told Yeah, you, I mean, look at who was the guy from Michigan, Mo Wagner. Right. He was out there knocking down threes in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So, let me ask you a question. Do you even feel like Lamar has a future, like say he comes in behind a – a Drew Brees or a Tom Brady and, and sits and learns from them for maybe two years. Do you think that he could be uh, a, a potential starting quarterback in the NFL? Or you think he just has laid it off? I think he has a potential to start in the NFL, but it's, it's less depending on who he sits behind and more depending on who his coaching staff is. Right. Obviously he's not going to land in Philly or St. Louis, but if he did St. Louis, LA, now the LA Rams, uh, if he did, those are places where he can be groomed as a quarterback. Those are quarterback whisperers who do great things, even Kansas city, but they won't draft him. They just got rid of somebody to, or they just got rid of Alex Smith to bring up Pat Mahomes as their new starter. So the guys that have great quarterback coaches aren't going to draft him because they're already sitting on their young talent. I think if he lands in new England that's a great spot for him, but I don't know if that's going to happen either. I don't either, because with the Patriots, you know, you, you hear them saying that they like Lamar Jackson, but let's be honest, 
if the Patriots really like somebody, nobody would know about it. <laughs> nobody would like, know about it. Exactly. So I, I think that's just a smoke screen that they're throwing out there. I, I'm, I'm not buying that. Yeah, I, I agree. That could definitely be a, a play where if they say they like Lamar Jackson, maybe somebody else takes him ahead of them and they get the guy they want to fall to them. Because that, right. let's be honest, I don't like New England. I'm not a New England fan, but they are the smartest and most well-prepared organization in all of sports. No doubt about it. It's not even a question. All right, so that was the midterm, and I feel like we passed. Like we passed the midterm. Trey Young was the right answer. Yes, sir. So we're going to move on to the next. Yeah, so we're going to move on to the next class. The next class is what we're going to call pass fail. This is where I'm going to give you a list of four collegiate players right now, and you're going to tell me whether they're going to be an all star or a bust at the next level. We're going to call this one pass fail. You ready for this one? I I got some good names. I got some good names down here. Okay. Tell me about Josh Allen, all star or bust. Oh, man. I think he has more potential to be a bust than to be an all-star. I mean, he he, he looks the part. He, I mean, he got the, the big arm. He's got the prototypical prototypical quarterback size. Um, but what I don't like, I don't like that completion percentage. And he went playing – he's playing at Wyoming already. It's not like he's playing against the, the hardest competition out there. And if you look at the history of the NFL, you know, quarterbacks who don't complete, at least 60% of their passes in college, they do not translate well to the next level. If you think about like uh, like guys like Jake Locker and uh, guys like that who were high draft picks based off potential, but when they got to the NFL, it was the same thing. So um, I, I know, you know, they're talking Josh Allen, maybe one or two. Um, but if I had to pick whether he had a better chance of being an all-star or being a bust, I would pick that he has a better chance of being a bust just based off that um, that that quarterback, his accuracy and his low completion percentage. Um, so, listen, I know you're about 18 hours for me, but did you read my notes? <laughs> you because, you agree with me on that one? Because honestly, the name I have written down on my paper as my best comparison is Jake Locker. Oh, wow. He was the prototypical body had all the athleticism and everybody thought he was going to be the next best thing. And he just couldn't complete passes because he didn't process information well at the line and after the snap. And that's what I see. The problem is with Josh Allen. He doesn't process information. He doesn't see it well at the line. And then after the snap, it's one read, two reads at best. There's just, he's not quick enough through his progressions. And I don't know if you can teach that you can teach a lot. I don't know if you could teach processing of information. That's something you either have or you don't. And I don't think he does. Josh Allen is a bust. I agree with you on that opinion, Aiden. And you know what that means? That, that means the Cleveland Browns are going to take him first. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're probably right about that. Oh, I hate uh, to you... say it. I'm sorry, Cleveland fans. I apologize. But prove me wrong once and I'll stop knocking on you. You're probably right about that. <laughs> That's unfortunate. All right, moving on. Number two on our pass fail. Michael Porter Jr., all-star or bust? Oh, man. This is tough because, as we both know, the kid got hurt literally 15 minutes into his college career. So we we haven't seen much of him uh, right outside of the McDonald's All-American game and about a half uh, the first game of the 
the college season and a, a game in the NCAA tournament. But this kid was billed as the – he was thought of to be the number one uh, high school recruit uh, until Marvin Bagley, you know, reclassified and, and took that spot. But before Bagley reclassified, you know, Michael Porter was, was the guy. He was all anybody was talking about. Six foot ten, uh, handling the ball, handling ability, you know, uh, good jump shot out to the three point range. Um, so, being that I have not seen a lot of this kid, and based on all the potential and height that he had coming into the season, I'm gonna be positive on this one. I'm gonna say this kid has a chance to be an all star because if you look at where they got have him going. Um, like we said, maybe with the possibility, like with Trey Young, they have him going right around the seven through ten range. So, uh, like, if he, he, could you imagine him landing with somebody like Cleveland, being able to learn from Le- uh, LeBron James for a couple of years, and and you know maybe taking over the franchise once LeBron stepped down. So, uh, I think it a lot will determine on you know what team he goes to. But uh, if I had to pick one with Michael Porter Jr. I like his skill set. You know, he's 6'10", ball handling ability, uh, can stretch the floor with a jump shot. I think it will translate well to the NBA, and I think he has a chance to uh, be an all-star. How do you feel? Well, we're going to have to disagree somewhere, but this isn't going to be the one. Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a stud in the NBA. He is an upgraded Ben Simmons. He has all of the same skill set, ball handles, driving ability, but he can shoot. Yeah. Ben Simmons didn't make a three-pointer all season. Can't shoot a lick. Can't shoot a lick. He's upgraded from that. He has the same potential that Ben Simmons has and is seeing right now. And I think – I don't think it will be immediate, but in two or three years, Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a perennial all-star in this league. I just don't know what position he's going to play. Will he play small forward? Most likely, I guess he'll play the three. Right. Depending on who drafts him. But yeah, there's, I almost have no doubt in my mind that Michael Porter Jr. is going to be an all-star. And I don't worry about the fact that I didn't see him in college because I didn't see Kyrie Irving in college. That's true. That's absolutely true. I didn't see a lick of him in college. Yeah. He got to sit there on the bench and watch Duke all year. Yep. You're right. I didn't even think about that. That's a good one. You, you're absolutely right about that. We did not see Kyrie. Nope. So I don't worry about that much. The fact that he has all this potential, I have to lean on the scouts that know, the people that ranked him and high enough in the recruiting class that he was supposed to be the best kid coming out of high school. Right. So I'm going to stick with them. I'm going to say that, and you don't hear this from me very often. I don't, I don't admit to this. I might not even publish this after I say it. I'm going to have to say that somebody might know more about something than I do. <laughs> that's not, that's a rarity, but I'm going to lean on the scouts. They know more. I don't watch too many high school games. Michael Porter Jr. is going to be an all-star. And I hope he goes to Cleveland. I'm a LeBron guy. Uh, so I root for Cleveland. And I would like to see him land with the Cavaliers. I have gone since 2003 when LeBron came into the league. I have gone from the biggest LeBron hater on the planet to the biggest LeBron defender on the planet in a matter of 15 years. Man, you and me, I, didn't, I never was a LeBron hater, but some of the criticism is just ridiculous. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, the kid's never been in trouble. Uh, all the things he does off the court, you know, how he speaks on social issues. Uh, and I, I just think he's a, a great, great player. And um, 
So I agree with you on that. Some of the criticism is just ridiculous. Yeah, there's no better ambassador for the game than LeBron James. He is as good a dude as you're going to find in sports. I compare him to Derek Jeter like that. Right. He's a little more vocal than Jeter was, but there's no dirt on LeBron James. No. LeBron James is as clean as it gets, and he's a great ambassador for basketball. Yeah. At a time when they need an ambassador right now because they don't have a good public face. Right. So they need that. And when he retires and leaves, Steph's going to have to take over as the face of that you know, clean NBA. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on. Next on my list, we're going to stay in college basketball and go with Gary Trent Jr. How do you feel about Gary Trent Jr., all-star or bust? All right, so this is a, a, a kind of difficult one because, for one, it's, it's not like there's a lot of hype surrounding Gary Trent Jr. I don't hear, you know, him really being talked about a lot. So even if he doesn't, if he's, he's not great at the next level, it'll be hard to call him a bust because it's not like a whole bunch is expected of him. But I do think I, I, I like him as a player. You know, he's a good – he's pretty much at Duke just a, a spot-up jump shooter. I would like to see him uh, if he was dependent on more. You know, Duke has so much talent that they really didn't depend on him. You know, he pretty much just camped out and, you know, waited for Bagley or Wendell Carter or somebody to kick him the, the ball and, you know, shoot those jump shots so we i don't think we've seen the 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 total variety of his game but if i had to pick whether i think he has a better chance of being an all-star or a bust uh i don't want to this is a tough one because i don't want to call the kid i'll say i'll say i'll say bust because i don't think he's going to be an all-star but it's hard to say because I don't think we've seen his complete skill set and what he can do. And I think we'll see that more at the next level. Um, but I think his ability to shoot the ball definitely would translate well to the next level. But I don't know if he can handle the ball, create his own shot. I, I don't know. We just didn't – he just didn't need to do those things at Duke. So, um, I don't think he has elite athleticism. Uh, and that, that's kind of important at the next level, especially – playing guard position where he's 6'4", 6'3", shooting guard. And it's a lot of guys at the next level, uh, those those two guards that's elite athletes um, that could possibly blow right by the kids. So if I had to pick whether I think he would be more of an all-star or a bust, I'm going to say uh, he has a better chance of, of being a bust, even though, you know, he's not going to be a, a lottery pick. But for the sake of the game, I'm going to say I'll give him a failing grade and say that he, he'll he be a bust. All right. We disagree. Good. We disagree. Okay. I have Gary Trent Jr. being an all-star. Okay. You're right. He wasn't asked to do much in Duke this year because they were so talented and so deep. And he is a lights-out shooter. His range is almost in the locker room. But what else he is and what I noticed in the games that I watched being an ACC guy, I did see a lot of Duke games over here on the East Coast. He's a smart basketball player. And the Golden State Warriors style of basketball is starting to filter down to the rest of the NBA. Ball movement, player movement, extra passes, open shots. He can fit into a system like that very well. Uh, Utah, something along those lines. Right. Boston, he can fit into that extremely well. Because it's the type of system he played in in Duke to an extent. 
Uh, I felt like Duke left that a little bit towards the end of the season and it cost them in the NCAA tournament when they started to move Bagley closer to the basket and stopped giving him the ball at 18 to 20 feet. Yeah. Their offense slowed down. It was different. But early in the season, when they were running that free-flowing offense, Gary Trent Jr. is smart. He is a – I don't want to call him a great passer, but he is a well-above-average passer and can get better with NBA experience. Right. I see him being drafted around the range that Donovan Mitchell was this year. I think Donovan Mitchell was 13 this past year. I see him in that 13 to 16 range. But he was a surprise declare for me. I didn't necessarily see him coming out. And when he declared, I said, okay, I guess I can see it. So I started to look into it a little bit more. And, yeah, I think this kid got all the potential tools. The one thing that hurts him as far as being an all-star in the NBA is this is a super guard-heavy league. Yes. The guards are dominating right now, and there are some phenomenal guards in the league. Yes, it is. So that hurts him. But if he, So he comes in this year, I think five years from now, when the guards that are currently running the league start to dwindle, that's when he's going to take over. And uh, look at Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard had to earn his. Yeah. He's been a really great player in the league for a long time, but is just not – I guess not a really long time, but for some years now. And is just now starting to be thought of as a superstar. Okay. Yeah. So I see him doing something similar to that. What do you say? A, a poor man? You, you say, uh, what do you think? Uh, you think he has, uh, you compare him more to uh, who you think he has a better chance of being a uh, JJ Reddick? No. Would you, what kind of comparison to, in the NBA do you see him possibly uh, being as at the next level? If he gets a little bit bigger, he could be a Clay Thompson type. Clay Thompson, and I apologize to Golden State Warriors fans. Anybody that's seen me on my podcast or anywhere else knows that I am. I'm down on Clay Thompson. I feel like he is 100% a product of that system. Right. And that, because a lot of people are calling Clay Thompson a Hall of Famer. He's yeah. not a Hall of Famer. He's a product of that system and a great, def- and a, a capable defender. Right. He gets a lot of help defense and he gets, you know, shoulder beat a lot of times, but his help defense draws it back and it looks like he's a great defender. He gets helped out a lot of times. Yeah. But I see him being a Clay Thompson type. If he can get a little bit bigger and be able to guard shooting guards down in the lane, yes, I could see him definitely being a lights-out scorer, a 3-and-D guy who's smart with the basketball and unselfish. I like the Clay Thompson reference. That's a really good comparison. Yeah, I would like to see him go to, uh, like, a San Antonio Spurs or something like that. He seems like that type of kid. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, so. I and like they need him. guard help right now. They need guard help bad. Yeah, Ginobili and Parker, man. Those guys on the all AARP team, they're getting up there, man. So, uh, but Ginobili can still play, though, man. I watched him today. That dude can still play. Yeah, he can, but he can only give it to you in, in, in spurts. He can't, yeah. he, can't <laughs> he can't do it consistently for a full 30, 35 minutes like he used to. No, no he's got 20, 22 minutes a game in him tops. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But there were great 20 minutes. Yeah. But that's all he's got. That's all he's got. <laughs> yep. All right, last on the list, pass-fail. Minka Fitzpatrick, all-star or bust? Oh, 100% all-star for me. This kid is another another pretty much coach on the field. Um, I love his versatility. You know, he can go from safety to corner, to corner to safety. 
Uh, even they even use him as linebacker sometimes in the third third and long situations. I just think his ability to see the field and process information, I think that's a big big boost. Uh, coming from a, a program like Alabama, uh, a lot of their secondary guys don't pan out, but some of them do, and mostly the safeties. If you look at the Ha Ha Clinton Dix, um, the, the Landon Collins, uh, those guys have translated very well to the next level. And I think Mika Fitzpatrick has the potential to be better than both those guys. And both those guys are, are pro bowlers. And um, I'm interested to see where he will play at the next level if they want to use him more as a corner or more as a safety. Um, so that would, that would interest me. Um, but I, I love this kid. Like I'm a LSU fan, so I hate hate Alabama, <laughs> even though they own us uh, and so they 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 dominate us. But I really, 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 I'm a big big fan of uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, and I think his combine even boosted his stock. I think he ran what a, like a, a a four four or a low four. Yeah, five. he was fast. Yeah, yeah, he was that. fast. So I, I think this kid is. I think he's one of the safest picks in the uh, draft. Uh, actually, I think. You know, like Minka, uh, Saquon Barkley, the Quentin Nelson kid from uh, Notre Dame. Uh, I think those are probably maybe my three safest picks in the first round. Um, and uh, I think Mega Fitzpatrick has zero bust potential. Uh, so I'm going to go with All-Star and maybe even a Hall of Famer. But Okay. Yeah. Kicked I, it up a notch there. Yeah, yeah. I love this kid, man. How you feel so what it? you're saying is he's a safe pick, so the Browns aren't going to draft him. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Okay. Really, Landon Collins, I think that's a really good comparison, but better than Landon Collins? Landon Collins is a bona fide superstar. Yes. But if you think – if you think you remember Landon Collins, he, he was not great his first year. Uh, it seemed right. Like at that second year, though, he was, he was absolutely spectacular. I thought he could have been the, the defensive player of the year. Um, uh, but I don't know what changed from this first year to that second year with Landon Collins, but he was absolutely awesome his second year. Um, Landon Collins is a little bit better of a better of tackler than uh Mika, but I think Mika is a better uh a center fielder uh out there in the secondary than, than Landon Collins is. But um, yeah, I, I like I said, I love this kid, man. So. But I agree. I agree. I had to give you a little bit of a hard time, but I agree. I think this kid's going to be definitely a perennial pro bowler. And I see him in, I see him playing safety in the NFL, okay. but I see him playing the safety position that doesn't have to come off the field in the nickel or dime package. Right. Because of his ability to roll up and guard, he can guard the slot or the outside. Yep. He can guard anywhere. He can literally do anything. And you're right. He can come play linebacker. His tackling is a little suspect, but that's teachable. It's not very suspect. If that's if there's a weakness in Mika Fitzpatrick's game, it's his tackling. Yeah, and even that's barely a weakness. Yep. I I definitely love this kid. I think this kid is he's a superstar, and I'm I'm gonna ride right on your train. I'm gonna call him a potential Hall of Famer going forward. The kid has all of the tools. Right. I'm trying to think of a safety in the league that I would kind of compare him to. Um, Maybe like a, a what do you think a, a, a Earl Thomas or Eric Berry? Um, I don't know. I, I need to think a little bit more about who I who I see him similar to. But Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah, exactly. Michael. Yeah, that's a great that's a great one because like you, they do use Malcolm Jenkins 
Uh, he, he was a cornerback coming out of uh, out of Ohio State and made the transition yep. well to safety. And they even used Malcolm Jenkins as a linebacker uh, sometimes too in third down situations in that nickel package. So good. That, that's, that's a great. That's a great great comparison. Uh, yeah, he definitely he reminds me a lot of Malcolm Jenkins, who is one of my favorite players in the NFL. Just hey, first of all, I'm an Eagles fan, so that makes it easy. Oh, but Malcolm gosh. Jenkins as a person makes it easier to like him as a player. Yeah. Because the dude is just as what he does in the community and as a person, in addition to his play, Malcolm Jenkins is one of my favorite players in the NFL right now. Yeah, he absolutely puts his money where his mouth is, man. I, I respect yeah. that. Yeah. You know, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I hate the Eagles. I even hate them hate them even more this year. because uh, <laughs> you know every time every only thing we had when whenever we had down season the Eagles fan would talk smack well Talk crap when y'all won the Super Bowl, and now y'all won the Super Bowl, so we can't say that anymore. So all my ammunition is pretty much gone out the window. So, but yeah, I heard that. But I love Malcolm Jenkins though, as as a player and as a a man off the field. So that that's a great one. Uh, that's a great one that you you know threw out. That's a great comparison for Minka Fitzpatrick. All right. Well, we passed our midterm. We moved on. We passed that class. We got our final exam coming up next. We're going to take a quick break. Come back, we're going to take our final exam, and then we'll see how we did. Looking forward to it. All right. All right, we're back again. Here we go. Final semester, final exam. We got one question on the final exam. Are you ready, Almanac? Yes, sir. I'm ready, opinionated. All right, man. Who's a better coach, Nick Saban or Mike Krzyzewski? Oh, 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 okay. First off, let me go ahead and let me let me be honest for a second. As we said at the first segment, I'm a diehard Carolina fan, as we know. So, Coach K, he's the coach of my arch rival, Duke Blue Devil, so I can't stand him. But this has absolutely nothing to do with how I feel about this question. And I'm going to go with uh, Nick Saban as the better all-time coach, for one. I just think Saban, uh, I give him props for doing it at multiple uh, schools. You know, he won the first one with LSU, and he was able to transition from LSU to the NFL, even though it didn't go so well at the next level, and back to Alabama. And since he's been back to Alabama, he's been nothing less than absolutely dominating. And I think that he has, could be called, and I think that he is the best football coach of all time, uh, passing Bear Bryant. Because I just think it's it's harder now to be able to dominate uh, at the college level than it was back in the day when Bear Bryant coached. Because uh, a lot of those championships, Bear won. Um, African Americans, uh, some of them wasn't even allowed to play um, in the SEC uh, during the time when he won some of those national championships. That's uh, a good point. And now, like it's it's everybody's on TV, so recruiting now is is a lot harder. You got a lot. Uh, better schools uh, give these guys opportunities to go to even though Alabama still dominates recruiting uh, that just speaks to the dominance of the program and the greatness of Saban that he can be number one in recruiting all these years I think this was the first year and I think the last five years that he didn't have the number one recruit the number one class in recruiting I think they went to Georgia but they was even though they were still top three but let me get back to the point the point is I take Saban because you know both of them have five rings but Saban I think he legitimately could have had two more. Uh, you know, he lost one on the, the last play of the game to the great, and I mean the great Deshaun Watson. 
Um, also, you know, he lost the, the last game in the Iron Bowl to Auburn on, on the pick six, which was a, a miracle. You know, they win that game, I think, and they go back to the championship. Uh, and with Coach K, I just think Duke, you know, they they got – they took some pretty rough losses of, of big-time double-digit underdogs in the tournament. Uh, off the top of my head, I think about the time Mercer beat them or the time uh, the great C.J. McCollum and um, – what was the name of his school? I can't, I can't, re- I can't remember the name of the college that CJ McCollum went to, but they were a, a big time underdog, and uh, they beat Duke. Uh, South Carolina beat them in the second round as a double digit underdog, even though it's, it's, you know, the iron is a, a bit more chance for irony in college basketball. I just feel like Coach uh, Nick Saban is is the better coach because even when Alabama doesn't win at all, they still dominate at the college level and they're not it's it's very rare that you see Nick Saban get upset uh at the college level. So for that reason and that reason only, I'm gonna go with Coach K and I think my bias has a little little bit to do with it, <laughs> but at least I'm I'm honest enough to admit it. Hey gotta <laughs> so, be honest. Gotta I'm gonna be go honest about it. This hurts my heart to say. As a Syracuse fan, it hurts my heart. I feel it already. I'm sweating. I got goosebumps. But Coach K is a better coach. Oh, Mike Krzyzewski is a better coach. Now, the disparity between the top of the college football ranks and the bottom is way more drastic than it is in college basketball. Way more drastic. There's no way. The Appalachian States beating Michigan don't happen every year. But every year in college basketball, number one ranked teams get upset by unranked teams. Every year. So it's tougher to play in that competition level. Also, he plays three times as many games, so he's three times as likely to get upset. Because they play 30 games a year as opposed to 10, 11, maybe 12, including a bowl game for Nick Saban. Now, the one credit I give Nick Saban, and I always have, is that he grooms kids to be men better than anybody else in all of collegiate sports. Yes. He is, he is to men's collegiate sports what Gino Ariema is to women's basketball. Right. He, he doesn't matter who the kid is when they come to Alabama, they leave Alabama as good kids and with a good head on their shoulders and mature. And I love that about him. I love his ability to recruit. I love his ability to coach. And I have two things written down about Nick Saban that cancel each other out. One is a positive, one is a negative. The negative is the kick six. Why do you even kick the ball there? I had no clue why they did that. That was a coaching mistake, and it cost him potentially a national championship. Why do you kick the ball there? You're better off throwing the Hail Mary. Listen, you know the kicker doesn't have the leg. He got everything he had into it and came up six yards short. Throw the Hail Mary. If it doesn't get completed, you have almost a 0% chance that it gets run back for a touchdown because you have defenders there. Yeah. The kick six was horrible. Bad coaching. Bad coaching. But I'm going to negate that with this year's national championship game when he pulled Jalen Hurts at halftime. One of the ballsiest coaching moves I've ever seen. And that kid, I can't pronounce his last name. I'm not even going to try. He came in. That's the one. There you go. He came in slinging. Slinging. So I will let those two coaching calls negate themselves out. 
And I just think Coach K is a better coach because he has to do it, A, more often, B, against better competition. And like you said, they both have the five championships. I like Coach K. That's where, my, that's where I'm riding. All right, we can agree to disagree on that. I won't. I won't fight too much on that one. Although I'm, I'm, I'm desperate to see how what Coach K does now with uh, Jeff Capel leaving, because uh, Duke, their recruiting has been on the whole totally different level since Capel came back to the program from Oklahoma, and yep. he also he also benefits from the uh, Bennett when he was coaching the Team USA. I thought that was uh, unfair uh, advantage that Coach K and Duke had. Uh, with recruits being able to coach Team USA, but um, yeah, it's visibility. It's all visibility. Right. Exactly, exactly. But uh, I'll agree to disagree with you on that. Both all right. Well, we'll just turn we'll turn this final exam into the teacher, and we'll see what the professor's got to say about it after. Okay. But listen, I had a great time with you today. This was a great episode. Yeah, I agree, man. For the, our first episode, I, it was a total success. Always fun to talk sports with somebody that that knows sports. I hate talking sports with people that think they know a lot and they really don't you can kind of tell just after five yep. minutes of talking people who really know what they're talking about or who who just reads press clipping so i had a yeah. good time man exactly i had a great time i want to thank all the listeners out there thank you guys for tuning in we're going to come to you every week with more dorm room sports we're chris and chris from dorm room sports we're going to come back every single week and talk more to you guys you can find us on itunes you can find us on google play music go look us up uh, subscribe, like, follow, whatever you got to do. You can always find us on worldofsportsnetwork.com. We're listed on there. They got a ton of great shows on there. Go check them out. Trash Talk Radio's on there. Sports Court, a bunch of good shows on there. Uh, Baseheads just came out. They dropped their first episode last week. They should have another one coming out. Go check us out. World of Sports Network, iTunes, Google Play Music. Almanac, I will see you next week. We're going to do this again. Yes, sir. Can I give one shout out, opinionated? One sec. Can I give a get shout out? Get it in. Get it in. I want to give a shout out to my man, the guru. Uh, he he presented me with this great opportunity to join the world of sports and the talk sports. He thought I would, would be a good fit. And I just want to give my guy a shout out. We've been friends for over 15 plus years back to the ECU college days. And I want to give a shout out to my boy, my homie, the guru uh, of Trash Talk, co-host of Trash Talk Radio, man. I really appreciate this. And uh Thanks again, man. Thank you all. For oh, man. Out. So you've known the guru for 15 years, right? Yeah, man. I know. All you know that stuff. man doesn't this... need an ego boost. I, he doesn't. I know. All no, he don't need no too. ego boost. I know it's dirty oh. secret, so I can keep him in, I can keep him in check. <laughs> guru, guru, I ain't got nothing to say, guru. I'll see you on Trash Talk Radio. I'll see you on Instagram. We'll chat on there. All right, guys. All right. That's it for us this week. We'll be back next week. School is out.